Hi, this is Steve Thomas, pastor of the First Baptist Church at Delray Beach. Welcome to our podcast. We study God's Word to apply it to our lives in order to make a difference in this life and in eternity. We hope you enjoy this message. We cry out, we cry out. Today, I don't know if y'all know, but today is, uh, some people call it Halloween. Some people call it All Hallows Eve. Some people call it Reformation Day. Uh, but today is a day when we think about ghosts. Today the message is the greatest ghost story ever told, that ever, ever happened. Or are you afraid of ghosts? Are you afraid of ghosts? When I was a kid, my grandma used to take us up in the attic of her farmhouse, and at night before we'd go to sleep, she would tell us stories, and they were stories of wolves and of of horses and of snakes, and and sometimes she would tell us about the boogeyman. I don't really know what the boogeyman was. I just know it was kind of a dark, scary creature that hid under the bed, probably. I don't really know. And somehow, in the 70s, he got involved with disco. I don't know how that, how that happened. Is that the same boogeyman? I don't, I don't know. So somebody could, you, could, you could email me, steve at fbcdelray.com, and let me know what the story is. But my grandma would scare us with, let's say, let's call them ghost stories. And so my sisters and I sometimes got a little ornery, and we decided we were going to build one because we had a little brother that we wanted to scare. And so my grandparents were... Uh, were people who lived during the Depression era, and so they had an attic full of canned goods that would last from now until, I don't know, well into uh, probably the next two or three hundred years. But there was cans of corn, cans of beans, and we decided we would use all the stuff in the attic to build a man and sit him in a chair. And so we, used, we took a pair of pants, and we stuffed his legs with, with cans of corn, and we, we took a shirt, and we put two rolls of... of, of um, paper towels in there, and then we sat him in a chair, and then on top of that, we got, we went out of my grandma's room, and we stole the styrofoam head that she would keep her wig on. <laughs> Appropriate would be a better word, and we stood, stuck it on top of that, and then we, we stuffed this guy kind of in the back of the attic, and we put a light on him, a little lamp, and we got the whole rest of it dark. And so we went and got my grandma. We said, Grandma, we want to scare David. Can you, can you lead us up there? And so she was into it. And so she got my little brother, who was probably, you know, I don't know, somewhere. And so we, we went up there in the attic, and we walked up to the attic. And she looks around the corner, and he's looking around the corner. And sure enough, you know, there, there's this figure that looks like the boogeyman. And suddenly there's this, and the lights went out. It was unbelievable. My grandma had thrown a can of corn and hit the lamp perfectly. We all ran like crazy, and we, were, we scared ourselves so much, and not only us, but our, our little brother. And, um, but that wasn't a real ghost. That was just something we created. You know, every ghost story has some key elements, doesn't it? There's, there's the sense that maybe something's happening supernatural, right? And then there's the sense that absolutely something's happening. Then there's a question of what does the ghost ghost want? What is it trying to accomplish? Is it trying to maybe deal with something that needs to be dealt with from the past? Maybe it's it's some right that some wrong that needed to be righted. Someone needed to be punished. Something needed to be corrected. And then there's something that gets done and it's resolved and the ghost goes away. My favorite ghost story is the uh, the movie Ghost with Patrick Swayze and uh, Demi Moore and Whoopi Goldberg and and that's kind of the story, right? 
Patrick Swayze is killed by an evil man and he comes back as a ghost and he tries to protect Demi Moore from this evil guy and, and he somehow speaks through Whoopi Goldberg, which I never did understand why he couldn't just speak right to Demi Moore, but she was a special person, right? And um, eventually, Patrick Swayze deals with the evil man, he goes to hell and it's pretty cool, actually, it's before CGI, it's pretty cool special effects. And um, Patrick Swayze then lets her know that she doesn't need to fear death because she's a good person, right? I mean, that's the Hollywood version. It's, as we say in our house, it's the greatest story ever told. It's a little corrupted, though, right? Because there's no Jesus. Just be good and you'll be fine. Well, that's not a good, accurate ghost story, is it? It's important for us to understand what we're talking about when we think about ghosts. Now, for some of you, you have no doubt experienced spiritual activity that's evil. You have. It's, it's not that uncommon here in South Florida, especially throughout the Caribbean. It's not an uncommon thing at all. What is that? Is there a spiritual world? And let me tell you, biblically, the reality is the spiritual world is very, very real. Right? It's very, very real. And you really should not mess with it because once you open the door to evil spirits, you can become quite vulnerable. And it can be a problem, be very difficult to get rid of. But So you say, what are ghosts? Well, let me tell you, scripturally, we know from the gospel accounts that Jesus frequently encountered evil spirits, right? It, was, it seemed like it happened every day, but the, the gospel writers talked about it a lot, that he was constantly encountering people who were possessed with evil spirits. And he dealt with them, didn't he? He had the power to deal with them. You see, evil spirits are no match for Jesus Christ. Never fear that. Realize evil spirits aren't on the same level as Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, the Father, the Trinity, right? Evil spirits are the result of, as we know from Isaiah chapter 14, Revelation 12, we know that evil spirits are the result of Satan's rebellion in heaven and that he took three, a third of the angels with him and they were kicked out of heaven and down to earth. So there's an evil presence in this world already. But also know this, what Satan meant for evil, God means for good. So there is no out-of-control situation. We're trusting God that he allows evil to exist. So evils are not uh, evil spirits are not people who have died and come back to life. There's no biblical evidence for that at all. All evil spirits are, are they are fallen angels. They are present. They are real. But there's really good news, right? Because our ghost story today is about the Holy Ghost. Now, we quit using that term a while back, and I think the reason we quit using the Holy Ghost term because people would have this image of Casper the Friendly Ghost or something like that, right? Or some movie version of a ghost that, that is, is someone who died and came back to life. But all the word ghost means is spirit, really. That's why we use the word Holy Spirit the member of the Trinity that is present in our room today. Let me ask you, before we open the Bible and get into the Word, where are you with the Holy Spirit right now? Did you come expecting an encounter? Did you come filled with the Spirit? Does does He have any real activity in your life right now? Or maybe you're fighting Him right now. Maybe you're feeling convicted. We came to the right place. 
It's an awesome thing to consider the coming of the Holy Spirit and His work on our lives. That really, you could almost entitle the book of Acts Ghost Stories, right? Because it's the work of the Spirit continually through God's people. And it's a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful process. So look with me at Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. And as you're getting there, you can open your device or open your Bible. Uh, Let me just bring us up to date as to where we are. Jesus has been born of a virgin, right? He lived a perfect life. God on earth, God in human form. He sacrificed, was killed brutally, unjustly, but willingly to pay the price for my sin and yours. But he didn't stay dead. He rose from the dead. He rose from the dead. And he appeared to over 500 people for over 40 days. And then ultimately, he gave his disciples instructions and he ascended. He went to heaven. Having told his disciples, you need to stay in Jerusalem. You need to be praying and get ready because you're going to be flooded, deluged, dipped in, baptized by the Holy Spirit. And they couldn't imagine what that would be. And he says, you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you're going to be my witness, my reporters. You're going to tell people what you've seen, what you've experienced. But you're going to be empowered by the Spirit. It's not just going to be you doing it. This Spirit that they couldn't even imagine is going to empower you to do that. See, to them, when they thought of the Holy Spirit coming on someone, they thought of Samson, right? The Spirit came upon him and he had this incredible power. And that happened in the Old Testament. Until this time, really, the Holy Spirit was limited. But it's about to be unleashed in Acts chapter 2. Now, before that happens, they prepare by, they, they replace Judas, and they call Matthias. They decide on Matthias, who's going to replace Judas as one of the twelve, in order to fulfill the Holy Scripture and the prophecy. They got ready, they got together, they got unified, and then Acts chapter 2 happens. Read with me, Acts chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And let me pause there. Pentecost is the festival of weeks. It is a harvest festival. It's a festival of first fruits. It happens 50 days after the Sabbath day following the Passover. And so it's a time of good weather, and it was a time, one of the three festivals a year, when Jews would make their pilgrimage back to Jerusalem. Because at this point, children of Israel have been scattered all over the known world. And so on Pentecost was one of the most popular times for them to come back because it was a good travel weather. It was, it was easy to get places, didn't have to worry about uh, a lot of rain, a lot of snow, that kind of thing, so that everybody could make it in. So everyone is in town. Literally thousands of people from outside of Israel were there in Jerusalem. And it says they're all together in one place. And at this point, there's 120 men and women who are followers of Jesus, disciples. In a room, probably an upper room of a large home uh, nearby, maybe nearby to the temple, probably not actually in the temple, but probably nearby to where the crowds uh, would see what was about to happen. So there's 120 people. They're in a room. They're praying. It's about 9 a.m. Verse 2. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Something supernatural happened. They're in a room. 
There's about as many people as here today. And suddenly there's this incredible gust of wind that comes through the windows or, and that comes from heaven. And there's just this breath that happens. And you've known that. You felt that here in Florida many times, no doubt. You can just, it's a perfectly good day. And all of a sudden this huge gust of wind happens. Well, imagine being sitting in a room praying. And suddenly there's this wind, this gust of wind, this coming of the Spirit. The word in Greek is the same word for spirit as it is for wind or breath. And there's a sense of this rushing in on you. And you're like, oh my goodness, something's happening. Something's happening. What is that? What's happening? And then there's these, these divided tongues that begin to appear to them. And the 120 begin to see this, this fire begin to spread from one to the other, to the other, to the other. And it rests on each one of them. It's kind of a reminder of what? The burning bush, right? The presence of God beginning to speak. It reminds us of the presence of God to the children of Israel as they go through the wilderness. The, the holy fire of God begins to happen. And people aren't being burned up, but this, this fire is resting on them. And they're filled with the Holy Spirit. It's almost like being possessed, really. They're filled with the Holy Spirit. God agrees to pour himself into the human form. And they have God inside of them at this point, which they never experienced. See, if you're a follower of Jesus today, that should really be kind of your normal experience, right? That God is with you. God is, fills you. That he wants to work through you. It's not your brilliance, your good looks, your talent. It's about him working through you. And so there are people being filled with the Holy Spirit, and they're doing things they had no way to do on their own. They're speaking languages that they don't know. It's not Babel. It's not some unknown language. It's a language that they other that people in the area can understand. It's interesting to me. I, I love these kind of little things that are in Scripture where it says it's a, it's a tongue that's on fire. Now, if I were going to come and take over, I would have a flaming tank, a flaming machine gun, a flaming sword, something to power, you know, a flaming bicep, something, right? That, hey, I'm here, I'm in charge, y'all need to listen to me, because if you don't, off with your head. You know, that would be kind of how I would do it. But that's not what he does. You see, the Spirit doesn't come forcing, it comes communicating. It comes communicating. I love that. And listen to what, how the people responded. Verse 5 says this. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at the, at the sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered, bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? You're like, well, what's going on? And apparently at this point, the disciples are kind of pouring out of this upper room and they're in a place where people can hear and they say, hear this rushing wind and they, they see them begin to speak this language. This multitude begins to gather around them. There's several thousand people and they're, they're saying, I hear this in my own language. I hear this in the language that I know from where I live and understand that Greek would have been Koine Greek, that would have been the common language of the day. It was the language of commerce. Uh, the Jews would have really probably preferred Aramaic at the time, even over Hebrew. And so the people there, though, they, they're from other places, and they've grown up in these other places. 
They become immigrants to other places. They know the language of those other places. And they're hearing it in their own heart language. Oh, it's so good to hear something that you understand. Even though they would have probably understood some Greek and some Aramaic, they're hearing it in a way that they can understand. And the miracle is they're hearing it really from Galileans, which is really interesting. It says, you, these are Galileans. You're like, well, so what? Well, it'd be like saying, these are from some uneducated people who live in the sticks. They probably didn't even finish elementary school. How could they know all of these languages? These are Galileans, and they're speaking to me in perfect dialect that I'm used to. It's an amazing, amazing experience. And what it says to them, something supernatural is happening. Something that can't be explained by normal phenomenon. This is something that is supernatural. It's that moment in a ghost story when they say, okay, there's something here. We need to be ready to deal with it. We need to pay attention. Verse 8. And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians. We hear them telling in our own language the mighty works of God and all were amazed, saying to one another, what does this mean? What does this mean? They're wrestling with, what does this mean? And the thing that God is communicating here is, listen, whatever language you speak, whatever type of person that you are, you are included in the invitation to receive the good news of Jesus. He speaks your language. He spoke everyone's language of the day. No one was excluded. I want us to take that in for just a minute. God knows how to speak to you at your heart level. He knows how to speak your language. You're not excluded. He has come for you, for you to know him. It's an incredible, incredible moment. See, God speaks the language of those who we talked about last week who think you're good already, right? And I'm constantly wanting to be good. I'm constantly trying to prove that I'm good. He speaks that language to say, Only God is good. Only Jesus is good. And the only way to be good is through Jesus Christ. And he speaks to the guilty. He would say, you know what? I I try to be good, but I really can't be very good. And I need help being good. He speaks to them by saying, listen, Jesus Christ can make you good. But you have to recognize that you're not good. And that you require his, his sacrifice to pay for your lack of being able to be good. And he speaks the language of the tolerant. And he would say, you know what? I... I, I believe everything, and I want to accept a little bit of everything. And if I get enough belief systems in my life, then, then I'll probably make it. No, he speaks to them to say, Jesus is the only way. And he shows us Jesus as the way, the truth, and the life. And he speaks to those who are far off and don't really know much about God to explain to them from the beginning who Jesus is. He speaks your language. But the question is, How do you respond to him? How will you respond to Jesus? Verse 13 is kind of chilling, if you ask me. Some were saying, what does this mean? But verse 13, some said, 
They were mocking. And they said they're filled with new wine. You don't need to listen to them. They're just drunk. Even those who were hearing the message, the mighty works of God, the resurrection story of Jesus Christ, even though they were hearing that in their own language, they go, oh, it's nonsense. It's babble. See, some people, even though God speaks to them, they'll reject him. They will not receive what he's saying, even though he's speaking at the very heart level. You see, the reality is, we're either filled with the Spirit or we're being influenced by an evil spirit. You say, well, Steve, now that's a little extreme. I may not be a follower of Jesus. Maybe I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, but I certainly don't have evil spirits. Listen to me. Listen, be very careful here. If you're rejecting Jesus, you have allowed the Holy, this, this evil spirit to deceive you. you. The enemy wants that. He wants you to say, today's not the day. He, he wants you to say that, you know, that's just a bunch of babble. He wants you to be confused. There's really only two choices. Either I respond to the Holy Spirit or I remain deceived by an evil spirit. Which is it for you? See, there's really only three choices. There's only three appropriate responses when we think about, well, there's this ghost story where the Holy Spirit comes. It's amazing. It's miraculous. It's designed to spread throughout the world. Well, what do I do with that? And the first thing we have to ask, am I a follower of Jesus? First thing I need to respond with, am I a follower? Have I received the gift of salvation? Is that you? Have you received that gift of salvation? Have you said to Jesus, I... I repent of my sin. I'm responding to your spirit's pull on my life, even right now. I repent of my sin, and by faith, I'm trusting Jesus to save me. Is that where you are? See, the first response is, God, I want to be a follower. The second response is, if you're a follower of his, it's to say this, I'm incredibly grateful. Because before the Holy Spirit came, the evil spirits pretty much had run of the earth. It's very difficult. The Holy Spirit has come to fill His people to oppose evil. I'm incredibly grateful for that because if it weren't for this event, I wouldn't know Jesus. I wouldn't know salvation. The gospel would have never spread like it has spread by the Holy Spirit empowering people. Be a follower, be grateful, and third, be useful. I love it that the, the Spirit coming didn't call the disciples just to say, well, I'm, I'm here to live a comfortable life, I'm here to live a quiet life. And it said, no, we've got to get out and say this. We've got to get out and speak in the heart language of people. We've got to get out there and make sure people understand who Jesus is. Can you speak in the heart language of those around you? Can you speak to people around you the way that they will understand? So I believe if you pray for that ability and you spend time with people, you should be able to speak with them the message of Jesus in a way they would understand. Not in some annoying way, but in a way where you simply have a normal conversation with people and you let them know who Jesus is as that's appropriate. Will you be useful? 
I heard, had a note from someone this week that after last week's sermon, they were able to share the good news of Jesus with someone. I hope that's your story as well. As you wake up in the morning, Jesus, I want to be useful for you. Because this matters. Because evil is real. The spirit world is real. Which will you be influenced by? The Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost. Or will you be deceived by the evil spirits, the fallen angels? It's real. Don't miss what God wants to do in your life today through the Holy Spirit. Would you bow with me as we pray? Thanks for joining us today. If you'd like to support this ministry, go to our website at fbcdelray.com. Also, click the share button so you can share this message with a friend or someone in need as we seek to know Jesus, to know others, and to make him known. We cry out, we cry out.